0: Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. I will be reading verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant, powerfully working word. Father, let us us peer into and through the window of your word to the glory of these words, to the beauty of them, to the power of them in our Christian walks. Do it, Lord. Do it through this sermon. Be working in us to believe. To the glory of your name. Thank you. Amen. So this morning I want to focus on that one phrase in verse 6. With thanksgiving. Now we've been in this passage for weeks. But now Paul makes clear that, that every Christian's prayerful life is to be constantly saturated with heart of gratitude. I mean, words, but they flow from a heart of thankfulness to God. Now, here's the flavor of this sermon this morning. Why? Why? Is thanksgiving? Why is your being a thankful person to God daily? Why is that important for you? And the short answer is this because every believer is in constant, desperate need of having our hearts. Our souls protected. Tomorrow and next week, you will need your soul protected. Then also, even if today, you're protected with your thanksgiving, next week, you'll need it. And being a grateful person is the guard over your soul right there in the text. You see it? Paul says talking to God, asking of God with a grateful heart, a heart of gratitude produces verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Here's the term. It will guard it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Ingratitude is an oxymoron for a Christian. You pull thanksgiving out of the equation and what happens is the peace of God who is to be standing on guard at watch at night, He'll fall asleep in your heart's In your souls, your feelings, and your thoughts, and your doctrine, and everything will be exposed to the enemy. So my goal this morning is to help us see that God has ordained. He he has appointed your constantly giving Him thanks as an essential protector of your soul and your watch. Let's begin by flipping over to Romans chapter 1. I'm going to read Romans 1, verse 18 to 23. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. They are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but instead they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So, what's going on here in Romans 1? Simple. If God exists, if God is the one being who has the power of existence. In Himself. The power of being in Himself. If He is the one who made everything that is not God, then it's clear that everything that we have is a gift. And God owes us nothing. That's why Paul says at the end of Romans 11 Or who has given a gift to God that God should be therefore obligated to repay you? The answer is, no one. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever and ever. And so Romans 1 screams, Job. It should be clear to you again today. You belong not to yourself. You belong to God. You owe your next breath in existence to God. And therefore you are to live to God's glory. We are all utterly dependent upon God. Millions of people breathing today totally deny that reality. Doesn't change the reality. They're utterly dependent upon God. And we who believe are always recipients of gifts when it comes to God. We are never the givers. We depend, right there, my heartbeat, again, and again, and again, and again, it's going to stop one day, could stop today, every heartbeat is a gift, an undeserved gift, every breath I take, the oxygen I breathe, the food that I eat. You remember how Paul said that in Acts chapter 17, verse 25. Nor is God served by human hands as if He needed anything. For He Himself gives to all mankind life, breath, and everything. Okay, that's the reality So, how are we to live before this God? Paul says in Romans 1 that all creation sings the answer to that question. You are to walk around utterly grateful. Do you remember... In Ephesians 1 where Paul's laying out our eternal salvation for everyone who is in Christ whom he chose from the foundation of the world whom he purchased and bought by his son and adopted into his family. And he says, okay, it's not the end. There's a goal there. And he says it three times. The goal of it in his people is to the praise of his glorious The goal is that something is transpiring in these sinful human beings being saved. And it is that they praise God in His grace. Three times He says it. Like Psalm 50, verse 23. The One who offers Thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. So let's just pause for a moment. What what is this thing then called gratitude? Thanksgiving. We all know what it's like, right? And it's right to train your little children, to say thank you, but we know that then. Often, we human beings can say thank you, we can sing thank you, and our heart is not in it at all. We don't mean it. So we know they're not actually thankful. But then there is the real thankfulness when it does come out in thank you. And and what's happening there is that our hearts, deep down, we we have this sense, this this feeling towards God something someone has done or gifts they have given to us that that's really helpful and I could not do that myself. I couldn't buy it. I couldn't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. And thus we cherish the gift. And then what comes out is, thank you. It's at the core of gratitude, right? And so with God, the thankfulness that we're commanded constantly through the Old and New Testament toward God is... That gratitude in our hearts that glorifies the free grace of God. That's what thankfulness is. It is glorifying God's free, undeserved grace to us. And you know what else it does at that moment? It exhibits our humility, our neediness to receive what God has to give. That's thankfulness. Because God created, and then He created mankind in His image. That's the objective reality. That what is appropriate, and if there were no sin, All of our human hearts would have constantly been so joyful with thankfulness. But something happened in the Garden of Eden. The fall of mankind, the rebellion of the human race. And Paul sums it up in Romans 3 with, For all, everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. okay. So there it is. And they failed to give thanks. Sin happens. Let's go back to Romans 1. Verse 22. Claiming to be wise. They became fools. And they exchanged the glory. Of the immortal God images. Sin at its core is looking at God's glory. His existence reflected in everything that he's made. The stars. A beautiful sunset. A nice steak. A baby's laugh. And it takes it and it goes to the return counter and says, I don't want this anymore. Let me have that box self-reliance. I want to be like God." In Eve, and then Adam and all of us listened and we plunged. The point of Romans 1 is that we should see the beauty and the glory and the mercy and the goodness of God in everything and all that He has made and we should be thrilled. And we should respond with heart. Thank you. Thank you. But sin. Sin came in. And causes our natural, sinful, human hearts to hate that truth about God. So much, Paul says in verse 18 of chapter 1. We take that. There's, there's a part of it. We know it. Everyone knows it. And we look at it in the face. And we deny it. And we, the way he puts it, we just push it down into our subconscious. We're going to live over here, not here. And we suppress the truth about God. And we get verse 25. They exchange the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Why? Because human sin wants to be viewed as wise. That's what he said. Claiming to be wise. They became fools. And that means they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible, immortal God for reflections, for images. And don't miss, therefore, the essence of the problem of us not giving thanks. At the core of it is this, the sinful human heart hates the truth about God because it's too humbling. The truth is that we are utterly derivative, utterly dependent upon God and thus we ought to be doing and feeling and moving and acting and living in such a way that gives Him all the glory we should always be no matter the circumstance thankful to our creator to our savior but sin when it gains the ascendancy that is the arrogant, proud heart that gains the ascendancy, then at that moment, it won't do it. It refuses to do it. It cannot humble itself and give a heartfelt thank you, God. That's what the text says. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory Of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And that's why Paul says in verse 21, For though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But instead something happened. They became futile. Futile in their thinking, in their worldviews, in their so-called intellectualism. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, thank Goodness, Paul didn't just stop there and close the book. Because everything he's doing, starting there in chapter 1, is all leading up to chapter 3. The gospel of Jesus Christ. But God, the one who is righteously angry, it's sin. And all sinners, and His wrath is pending, sent His Son to become a human being in order that God the Father would put Him forward as a propitiation in His blood that Jesus would be the substitute where God's wrath would be poured out on Him against every sinner and all their sins who would ever believe in Him. And that His Son's perfect human life lived would be put to their account not their life lived his perfect human obedience imputed to them christ righteousness to them and all of that is to be gotten received by trust in him and in that message alone apart from any works okay that's where it's all leading So this morning as we sit here, we who are saved by this gospel, we also know that it was all owing to God. That even our faith in Him was a gift of His mercy so that we would happily respond and receive Christ with a heart of faith in that gospel. And so if you know Jesus personally this morning, here's a sermon in a nutshell. Then by definition, thanksgiving flows out of your heart by the Holy Spirit. Yes, to greater and lesser degrees. But it's impossible To be actually born again. And not have tasted true thankfulness to the Creator and your Savior. And Paul therefore addresses the saved sinners in Philippi. In Philippians 4.6. In everything by prayer and supplication. And here's... The prepositional phrase, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, be a person of deep gratitude, gratefulness. Make sure that you pursue that kind of disposition and a heart every day because that is the main protector of your soul as you walk through this life. The protector. You do this, the peace of God will stand guard minds, your souls, your hearts your faith I want us to see Paul say this same thing about thanksgiving and the importance of it is protecting you by turning to Colossians chapter 2 Colossians 2 1 to 7 for I want you to know How great a struggle I have for you, Colossian Church, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face. Here's the struggle. That their hearts may be encouraged, be knit together in love, in order to reach all the riches A full assurance of understanding and of the knowledge of God's mystery which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now I say this in order that no one may delude you deceive you With plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. And therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, you remember that? So walk, in Him that way. Rooted and built up in Him. And established in the faith just as you were taught. And here it comes. Abounding, overflowing with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Here's the flow of what Paul has just said in verses 1 to 5. He says, I want you to have a guard over your souls, your life, your walk, particularly against false teaching entering the church. That's this flow. I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, that your hearts would be, listen to him. encouraged being knit together in love. To reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Which is Christ. That's what he wants. It's huge. And it's clear that Paul says that the way you are to be protected like that is not merely or only knowing stuff. Doctrinally. It is by body, life in the church. By hearts being sowed together in community. Love. Then at the end of verse 5, he says, I'm rejoicing as if I'm present with you to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. That's what he wants. Now, Paul, why are you having this line of thought right here in Colossians at that point? Why, Paul? He tells us why. Verse 4. I say this in order that. Here it is. This is the reason I just said that. In order that no one may delude you deceive you, mislead you with plausible arguments. That's Paul's warning. Look at verse 8 there. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, empty deceit, By Darwinism, by Marxism, showing its face throughout the entire country and invading the evangelical church, called critical race theory, a destructive philosophy that sees everything as a power struggle of groups, where voices in the church are saying clearly that this country is utterly embedded with systemic racism, particularly against blacks in this country, that it is oppressive. There are voices that that, that mean it and there's a sincerity. There was a pastor I sat down and had lunch with a few times in the past and with other pastors who has been saying for the last three or four years, I couldn't figure, what's driving him? Telling me that unless I confess this this country has a massive, systemic racism problem in everything, that I am in sin. Not conscious sin, he'll be very charitable there. But nevertheless, even though people don't admit their sin or see their sin, doesn't mean they're not sinning. And therefore I need to come to repentance and believe it. And, and if now more and more these voices are connecting it with the gospel. That oh, unless you see this, unless you admit this, unless you go on repenting for your whiteness, this is a gospel issue. It's a good chance to deny. You ought to probably deny salvation. It ain't any different than what Paul dealt with. With the Judaizers throughout his ministry in the book of Galatians. Oh, they preached everything to the T. Christ came and suffered and died and rose from the dead in faith in Him or you can't be saved. Oh, by the way, you can't just remain a Gentile. And by the way, you can't just be a denier that this country is filled with systemic, systematic, embedded everywhere of oppression of black people. And you have to believe, and we can go on and on. And I gotta stop because that wasn't even in my notes. But here we go. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human traditions, according to the elemental spirits of the world, but not according to Christ. So Paul says, be careful. Warning the church, guard yourselves from wrong, infiltrating doctrines and traditions. And he says, how do you do it? Verse 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, Do you remember how simple that was? Do you remember when the light went on? Do you remember how you were overwhelmed with That's it. Just believe the gospel? The Galatians were like that. And Paul says, when I came there, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? No, that's just why they're all confused now. They've been walking for months and then teachers come and complicated the whole thing. And Paul says there's no gospel at all. I, look, I'm, three or four years ago, I couldn't figure, I heard these voices just starting to, what's happening? And I couldn't figure it out. Because I always want to be open to, am I in darkness and am I in sin? Tell me, why are you telling me what you're telling me? What am I supposed to do? And I, so let me, so I, I remember, I remember going, I remember going to Bob and I said, I don't, and I listened to this guy maybe three or four times in my life. And that was it. But his name is David Platt. And I remember I heard this sermon and I was just stunned because I thought he was smart. And I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. Because he said things that were so stupid. Now this last year everything has been opened up. That's why he's doing it. I will say it. He is deluded with a false philosophy of life. With a different worldview that has invaded his understanding of Christianity. And I'll say the same thing when I finally heard another sermon with about with Matt Chandler. It is really sad. And so so here's the here's what let's go back now. Let's be therefore as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to walk that way. When you start to hear voices, preachers, or if I start to do it, or anybody else, it really seems to complicate eternal salvation and what it is to be a Christian. You're probably on to something. Something's wrong. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding with thanksgiving. Before God, I think I'm right. And that's the only way I can go as a finite, fallible human being. I think I'm right. But I think that why there was such passion there in the last seven minutes. And why my thanksgiving really goes down to that issue of the gospel. And so Paul says, live your life this way. Live your life that way. Rooted walking just as you receive Christ. It is that simple. And then concludes it, abounding, overflowing with thanksgiving. The word of God, the truth of God, fellowship, bonding with brothers and sisters in the local church. It's his whole context. And he says all of it is dressed in and cloaked in. Thanksgiving, and that is, Guards your heart and doctrine. When we start to move away from a true, active heart, no one's looking, you're all alone with thankfulness to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we start to move away or to the extent that we do, we are leaving our hearts and our minds unprotected from the schemes of Satan we become fair game for his deceptions. Back in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, Paul accused those who had seen the evidences of who God is, His eternal power, His divine nature, and refused to be thankful. That's what he said. Although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. If our hearts do not respond to God with thankfulness, then we're in the process of having our hearts darkened. And that darkened heart more and more means It's becoming harder to see truth, to see God, to love God. Just flip over to chapter 4 of Colossians for one second, one short little verse. Notice here how Paul connects watchfulness, meaning there's a guard who's got the watch. Protect the troops your mind and your heart and he connects it with again thanksgiving continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving how do I stand guard and watch answer Watch your heart constantly. Are you thankful to God? Can you you say to Him sincerely in, in the quietness of your struggles in life, Oh, Father, thank you. That is by being a person of gratitude as you walk this earth in the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus tell His apostles in the Garden of Gethsemane that night? He told them, Stand guard. Watch. Exact same word Paul uses here in Colossians 4 2. Watch and pray that you will not enter into temptation. Paul is pleading with the Colossians and with us the same way. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Because pride and arrogance, which we're all susceptible to, self-sufficiency, all those kinds of God dishonoring things, forgetting the reality, they are the gateway drugs to the hardness. Of heart which leads into falling into temptation into the darkness of our hearts and thus the rationalization that I'm okay with God even as we continue on in unrepentant sin it means we've grown blind because pride cannot be truly thankful to God at the same moment can't be truly thankful to God the one who sanctifies us. Thanksgiving is the daily water that washes away the dirt of our own arrogance, our own pride, which leads to unrepentant sin. It protects us. It protects us. Now, before I close, what I want to do is When scripture's talking about thankfulness to God, it is a kind of thankfulness that even though an unbelieving neighbor, family member, can be very grateful people, might have some ingrates too, it's not the same thing. Now, to get at that, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go try to read very slowly from Jonathan Edwards, writing back in the 1740s, American. Pastor, theologian, concerning thankfulness. Edwards writes true gratitude or thankfulness to God for his kindness to us arises from a foundation laid beforehand. That that is a foundation of love. To God for what He is in Himself. Now, He pits that up against what He says next. Meaning, in other words, or on the other hand, a natural gratitude has no such antecedent foundation. I mean, many people will scream out, not even know what they're doing. I didn't get to do that yesterday. It would have been great, though. Thank God my kids' team won the All Star game. With no prior foundation. He goes on and writes The gracious stirrings of grateful affection to God for his kindness that is received always are from a, a stock, a prior, a stock of love that was already in the heart established on different grounds than this thing we're thankful for. That is, it's established, that thankfulness is established on God's, quote, own excellencies. Now, what Edwards is saying is that gratitude coming from Christians that is pleasing to God is not, here's the key, He's saying it's not first a delight in his benefit here or there, over there. That's what he's saying. In other words, true gratitude is not first a delight that you paid your monthly bills this month. It's not first a delight that your child came home safely. True gratitude means that foundationally there's something prior to thanking him that you got your bills paid this month or that your child came home safely. That foundational gratitude is first and foremost a joy in the treasure of who God is to you in Christ. And that's the difference between the regenerate and the unregenerate. Is God great to you only because you paid your bills this month? Only because your child did not die? Only because you feel like things are going really well this week? Thank you, Lord! Or is He great... And worthy of your thankfulness because He is God. Because He is your life. Because you sing with Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire. Besides you, my flesh and my heart. They may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. And He's my portion forever. And the Apostle Paul says to Psalm 73, Yes! In everything. By prayer. and Supplication. With thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God in the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. It will stand guard over over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for such a wonderful gift.